0: From New York City, welcome to the OpenFin MVP Podcast. I'm your host, Mazi Dar.
1: I did it because I knew better. That's the short answer. And the long one is that uh, we were working together, you know, ten, for 10 years, and it did our thing. And the, the area we're working at, you know, was slowed down. I just feel like, you know, there's not much I could contribute, and I want a, a new start. I learned this uh, new company you guys start. So, you know, it's like a, like a no-brainer.
0: That was Wenjin Chi, VP of Cloud Engineering at OpenFin, and the first person to join the OpenFin team. Wenjin joins my co-founder Chuck Doerr and me to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of OpenFin's founding. We talk about the early days and share some of our favorite moments from the past 10 years. Hello, we have a very special show today because today is OpenFin's 10-year anniversary. I am joined by my co-founder Chuck Doerr. Hey Chuck. Hey Mazzi. We're also joined by a very special guest, Wenjin Chi. Hey, Wenjin. Hi, hey, Mazi Some of you may not know Wenjin. Wenjin, Chuck, and I have now been working together for 20 years. And Wenjin was the first person to join OpenFin after we started the company. So he's been here for the entire 10 years. And he is going to help us reminisce about the early days of OpenFin today. So just to get started, guys, I was looking back at my records, I came across an email with an attachment that says, I, Jeffrey W. Bullock, Secretary of State of the State of Delaware, do hereby certify that attached is a true and correct copy of the Certificate of Incorporation of Apogee, Inc., filed in this office on the 20th day of August 2010 at 3.30 p.m. Chuck, can you tell everybody what Apogee is?
2: Yeah, so... For a hot minute, openfin was called Apogee. so we we worked really, really hard. We went through, I think, hundreds and hundreds of names, you know, checking if they were available, checking trademark statuses. And you know, like we worked for I, I think that whole summer, right? We were kind of like slow burning names for you know what Openfin would be called. And of course, we we settled on on Apogee, got the domain, of course, incorporated the company and everything. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it lasted a a good six weeks that we were called Apogee?
0: Yeah, it was something like that. Again, uh, I, I had completely forgotten what the exact chronology was. And so I had to check my records. And I found an email dated September 25th that I sent to our graphic designer. And buried in the email, it says, also, I've been thinking about the name Open Financial as our brand instead of Apogee. Not 100% on it yet. and not sure if we can get the domains and trademark, but maybe good for you to think about this with that brand in mind instead of Apogee. And then a short four days later, I instructed said graphic designer to call it OpenFin. So I don't know, you and I must have had a discussion about it, Chuck, but between the 25th and the 29th of September, we shortened it and ended up with OpenFin.
2: And thankfully, we switched it fast, right? Because Apogee was a real mouthful. Although it didn't prevent us from making another immediate mistake, which was registering openf.in as our primary domain, which I think we struggled getting through firewalls and, you know, past email filters for another couple of years before we moved on to the .co, uh, openfin.co domain.
0: That's right. And we we still have people sending us emails to our addresses, so uh, we're, still, we're still living with that issue. So Wenjin, you were the first to, to join us at OpenFin, and I'm interested to, to hear w- what in the world you were thinking when you did that. And I say that because you'd already worked with, with Chuck and me for 10 years, so you should have known better, but somehow you decided to come anyway. So w- w- what was going on in your head when you made that decision?
1: I did it because I knew better that's the short answer and the long one is that uh we working together you know ten, for 10 years and it did our thing and the, the area we're working at you know was slowed down i just feel like you know this is not much i could contribute and i want a, a new start i learned this uh new company you guys start so you know it's like a like a no-brainer
0: and you're a pretty level-headed guy and so like how how long did you think it would actually last
1: the last one, right, it was 10 years about before, you know, we uh, we all left. And we, okay, I should say before I left. So this one at the time was like in my head, I maybe five, 10 years.
0: Five, 10 years. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that, that that was kind of the range I had been thinking as well. So we were, we were on the same page. We've officially hit the, the 10-year mark now. So congrats to all of us for having persevered. In my research, looking back, I was pretty surprised by all of the things that we were talking about and and really actually working on right at the beginning, right in September, October, November, 2010. And I think it'd be fun to share some of that with the audience here. One of the first decisions that we made that turned out to be really, really critical was the decision to build OpenFin on HTML5. And I, I looked back, and, and Chuck, you may have a, an earlier reference on this, but I was looking back and I and I found this email from Paul Matissia, who joined us as our chief architect, and he was talking about HTML5. And here's what Paul said. The big question in the back of my mind, and Wenjin's too, judging by his nervousness, was the desktop widgets. I had ideas, but none seemed very promising. I decided that today would be my make slash break date. I kid you not when I say today, Nokia announced Qt with WebKit slash HTML5 was going to be their development platform going forward. That means you can build a HTML5 slash WebKit app that runs on any future Nokia smartphone and, and any desktop, all caps, and any desktop system, Windows, Mac, Linux. Today, again, in all caps, exclamation point, exclamation point. Then he says, I, I've played around with it and it looks promising. I built a simple app and deployed it. My plan is to build a very lightweight framework of WebKit containers that connects to our backend. And so this was this was really, really early, certainly for OpenFin, but also in the adoption of HTML5 and, and the use of, of WebKit and even predates wide adoption of chromium. Um, So Chuck, when it comes to HTML5, how convinced were you when Paul brought this up that this was the right path for us?
2: You know, Paul had always been at the very front edge of large technology changes, large technology shifts. You know, he he always was tracking, you know, the the various senior architects that were moving between the large the large consumer focused consumer electronics or web company. So, you know, anytime a significant engineer arrived at Apple, right, I would hear something from Paul saying, "Hey, you know, the Apple ecosystem, iPad, right?" Because I, I think we were at like iPhone three GS. I think we both still had Blackberries in our pockets. You know, the, the idea that supporting Nokia phones. Going forward was a was a good idea or valuable, right? Was still something that you could look at and be like, oh yeah, supporting Nokia hardware going forward. That's going to be that's going to be important. And so yeah, Paul Paul had always been kind of really on the very front edge of these types of decisions, and you could you could feel the power behind the web, you know, really building. You know, you could you could feel that second wave of the web starting to starting to rise up, and you know, at the same time, right? You've got Instability in the silverlight ecosystem, right? You've got cracks, like big cracks, starting to show in flash flex world. Although, you know, of course, flash flex has lived on significantly longer. So there were starting to be the, those cracks, and I think it was like ultimately it was a a conversation around it. W- it was a little later, honestly. You know, Paul Paul took some time to I think get us all on board, but it was later when you know, when Apple basically said, hey, there's never going to be flash on iPads, right, that I really felt comfortable. I was like, oh, the, you know, the Apple is going to push everyone to standard HTML5, and the standard will have to evolve to fill the gaps. And so this is the right train to get on.
0: That's right. That was almost exactly a year later in September of 2011. The other pivotal decision, I think, that we made pretty early on was the focus around desktop, and I was thinking back and wondering back to when we really decided to do that, because you know, as you were saying a little bit earlier, when some of our early focus with uh, HTML5 was around the iPad, because that was the hot thing at the time. But I came across, I came across this email that I actually had sent to Chuck. This is October twenty-six, and this is twenty eleven, and so this is actually. Now, right after that date, Chuck, that you were saying when Flash and Flex had uh, essentially been disallowed on the iPad. And so here's what I said to you, Chuck. Been reading online about desktop, QT, Chromium, Titanium, etc. Pretty exciting. The more I think about this, the more I think this is a killer idea. The trend is obvious, and there are enough smart people moving in this direction that the demand is obvious. But... There's a huge difference between us and all these guys looking at building a, quote, desktop app player. Getting developers to target your app player is hard unless it's ubiquitous or can be ubiquitous, i.e. your Apple, Google, or Microsoft. When there are a finite number of users like our audience, it's a completely different ballgame. There's no doubt in my mind that financial providers will target our player if we can build it. The key is obviously the banks. I think we're pursuing the right strategy, partnering with providers like we are. But the more I think about it, the more I think the banks might actually help us if we play this right. It's an obvious win for them. And if we were doing the heavy lifting of getting providers to build for the app player, that's something they don't have the time to do. Now, that focus of ours changed pretty dramatically from where it, you know in the earlier days was mobile to desktop at that period. And in reading this email, I'm, I guess, seeing like a real conviction about the desktop, the desktop approach that's making me smile because I'm, you know, the, there's no doubt in my mind that the financial players will target our player. When I think about what it's taken us to get all the major banks to build on OpenFIN. I have to chuckle, thinking that there's no doubt in my mind at the time that that it would happen, but chuck wh- what's your recollection of what was going on at that time and and how confident you were in in that strategy?
2: you know it is absolutely hilarious looking at these emails like the the digging through the archives was was so much fun, specifically because of this, like so many of the themes the same right, and when I think about how confident we were you know, I I think I was telling people, I was telling people at that time that, you know, choosing HTML5 is a, you know, is a very high quality five-year to seven-year decision, right? And like saying that with conviction and believing that they should do it that day. I mean, we were clearly early on making these calls, but they're the right, they're the right calls. You know, every day I wake up at OpenFin, and I have that same conviction. I I believe so, like so deeply in my heart of hearts that like people need to you know need to move to this world that we've helped foster. And so I, I like I think we, we had that conviction because we kind of saw where we were
0: headed. For sure, Wenjin, what's your what's your recollection of that?
1: As I was mentioned earlier, the early days where we were playing with uh, you know iPad app. I think we developed a couple of them, and I, I think at the time we already. We believe in the HTML5 and JavaScript but I clearly remember one day I think when you and Chuck went out meet some people and came back and uh, for some reason I just remember that one moment you were saying that you know in the financial industry there there are some there is this huge opportunity in uh, having developing this uh, html5 JavaScript application on desktop Because at the time, as I was saying, we're kind of focusing on you know iPad, iPhone stuff. But to me, that's a a moment for uh, I think for a big switch to desktop strategy. I was thinking about why we started
0: down that path of mobile, and I I remember that we had this conviction around HTML five. But the thing that people were spending a lot of time on was the iPad at the time when we got going, and our thought was, well, getting someone to rewrite their super secure mission critical desktop trading application will be hard but offering them an opportunity to to have a companion ipad app will be by comparison more straightforward and that'll be a way to you know get to know the development teams at the different firms and and integrate with their apis and and then we can parlay that into desktop and i think what happened was that even though the thesis might have been correct that it didn't really drive customers and it wasn't getting the kind of behavior we needed. And it wasn't until that pivotal moment where where Apple said that Flash wasn't going to run on their devices anymore, that suddenly all these firms who had built mission-critical desktop applications on Flash said, well, wait a minute, we need something else. And the obvious answer to that something else was HTML5. And I think that, as you said earlier, Chuck, that, that became the early forcing function that gave us the conviction around desktop and also helped get some of the early customers to start engaging with OpenFin. Now you mentioned a number of things, Chuck, kind of the the concepts that were part of our desktop strategy from the beginning. And I had this, I have this other email that I found fascinating from this one's, this one's a little bit later. This is now a year later. So we got going on desktop in anger in the fall of 2011 and now by mid 2012 we've got our our product and we produced really the first round of documentation for that product and here's here's some of what what that documentation says i'll read the table of contents architecture overview chromium chromium embedded framework open fin desktop single sign-on client bus and desktop api now I, I kind of expected to see most of the, the rest of this, but the client bus actually thought was interesting. I had not expected to see that in there, but, but here it is, inter-application messaging, client-side communication between trusted applications. And there's a, there's a lengthy explanation of how this thing works, which is the, the inter-app bus in OpenFin that powers all of the, the desktop workflow today and what FDC3 is built on top of. But Chuck, had you remembered that that was th- that early of a decision that we made around the the InterApp bus? I was surprised that it was in version one, you know, like th- that it was that
2: early, you know, because at the time we, we didn't really have any apps that needed to talk to each other. You know, we, we were definitely over our skis a little bit in terms of functionality that we needed in a 1.0. But again, I think it, like, it, it, it speaks a little bit to the vision of where we thought, where we thought things would go and kind of what, you know, having that functionality there so that we could talk about an ecosystem of applications coming together. I think sometimes the functionality has kind of gotten out there, you know, ahead of the need specifically to try to create some narrative around what are we doing over the course of years here at OpenFin. It is interesting to see it there though, in the, in the very first version of our, of our docs. Yeah, and we had we had moved from QT to Chromium by this point as well, to to
0: Chromium embedded framework. That's right. And that had been at that point still early days for Chromium. And I think by that time both Paul and also Richard McGrath who had joined us were focused on Chromium. Have I got that right, Chuck? Yeah, that's right. And I guess, you know, what, what what do you remember about how we made that decision to move from QT to Chromium, which seems like you know, only obvious today, but at, but at the time wasn't totally obvious. What, what what do you remember about it?
2: So it was the existence of Chromium embedded framework, Ceph, I think that really made that start to made that start to make sense. You know, the early versions we had built on Qt, specifically leveraging Qt WebKit, and you know, although WebKit based, it wasn't getting the same level of investment clearly that Chrome was getting from from Google. And so the, the Chrome project was just moving at such a pace and actually just really hasn't slowed down honestly for the last for the last 10 years but it was moving at such a pace that you could just see how they were they were taking the reins on defining what the standard for the web was going to be. They really owned the HTML5 standard in a in a different way. And it took till now, right, for Edge to move to Chromium, but like the definition of what modern web is, what HTML5 is, it was driven entirely by that velocity of, of the Chromium team. And so yeah, the existence of Ceph, and I think it was actually I think it was actually Richard who did the first prototype on Ceph. And this was like this was Ceph one as well, right? So there was no process model in it. It was all all the security was off. So there's no browser security whatsoever. And so we sort of ended up in that world. And then Paul folded in, you know, from the QT world, Paul folded in to, to work with Richard on, you know, on driving things forward from there.
0: Yeah, those were, those were some really fun days. Wendron, what's your recollection of, of that decision to go to Chromium and, you know, how you felt about that?
1: I think at the time I was not actively involved in the Chromium work because I was kind of working on another future product, I guess, at the time. Do you remember, Marty? It's the first uh, app directory. Is that right? Yeah. And so uh, we started an uh, account on, on Amazon Web Service and uh, started putting stuff on there and tried to work on the first ever app directory.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that you know there there are a number of these ideas that we are we've been working on in anger in the past few years that were were really part of the the very early ideas and thinking behind OpenFin. And that actually also brings about another another interesting topic which is this idea, you know, it's desktop software, but that this idea of OpenFin as an app platform was really the concept from the very, very early days. And so Chuck, I came across this other email, Subject Thoughts, Uh, this is to you on November 12th, 2010, where I say, I think we were thinking about it the right way earlier on when we said we weren't going to try and come up with application ideas ourselves. I am, that's uh, instant messaging, is foundational. And I think the stuff with alerts and news feeds may also be useful, but the headline The thing that no one else is doing, the thing that ultimately differentiates us is the reason why someone would use us is being an app platform. In parallel to thinking about other things, let's think about what the components are to being a great app platform. What do we need in order to be a credible option for people to build apps on our platform? If we can figure that out, we may be able to pull off a strategy that uses the apps to create distribution. And I'd forgotten that that was really part of the idea from the beginning, and I guess like reviewing even the decks for openfin, we really positioned it that way, and in fact, we're in a way using language way back when that's more more akin to language that we're using today in 2020. But I think what happened was that we started with that idea and then realized that you know to to build that platform, you know it's a two sided market with developers on one side and the users on the other, and that we really needed to start with the developers. And before it could be a full platform, we needed to provide this this engine that would simply make a web app work like a native desktop app. Uh, So that became our focus for a long time. And, you know, after we'd made enough progress is when we started getting to these other ideas, which includes the app directory that is now the, the core concept in the FDC3 protocol, and a big focus of what we're working on now. And so we can you know, maybe take uh, take a quick step back and and talk a little bit about the early OpenFin culture. So I was thinking back to Chuck's dusty apartment, which was the very first OpenFin office. Uh, Chuck, remind us of the address of, uh, of that apartment.
2: So that's, uh, it's t- the Albert, 23 East 10th Street. Patsy's Pizza was there. I think they're gone now. But yeah, right there 10th and University, but the the entrance was on 11th and University. And and why was
0: why was that apartment sitting
2: empty? Well, so a, a couple of years earlier, I had I had twins. And so right as we found out, so we had just done some that the apartment was a duplex with a, a nice tight spiral staircase and a beautiful outdoor space with nice low parapets that of course people could fall over and you know so when we when we first were pregnant my wife and i rebecca we we had converted a little bit of our bedroom into a nursery thinking that there was only one child on the way and we found out that there two were coming and so immediately said hey we could we could have managed one child with all the dangers of this apartment but then, you know, with two coming, we just needed more space and, and all that stuff. So we ended up moving over to Jane Street farther west. And so then that apartment was empty, and it, we used it as a, as a guest apartment for a long while. But then, you know, by the time the summer came around 2010, the flow of people for, you know, visiting the twins had died down. And so it was largely empty, and it had a grill and some outdoor furniture. And so it made a good place, I think, for us to start getting together. You know, it's like the, the equivalent of a Silicon Valley garage.
0: Yeah, that, th- I think that is an apt description for sure. Wenjin, that became your new office after you were sitting in a, a more beautiful building on the, on the Upper East Side. What's your recollection of what it was like working there?
1: I think it's perfect space for four people. Kind of close, not too far away. So we can hear each other, that's whole company. We have all hands all the time, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I remember the day when we realized that it was time to leave that apartment. We had brought in a candidate who didn't know us as well as you know, obviously we knew each other. And I remember the the look on the candidate's face when she walked in, and it was like, "Whoa, what what is this? <laughs> what is this apartment?" Which is, as Chuck said, the equivalent of the Silicon Valley garage. And uh, I think at that at that moment we knew. We needed to, uh, to move to uh, something that felt like more like a real office. There's one moment that I remember that, you know, that really kind of gave us all a shock. We felt good about what we were doing. We felt good about the strategy. But there was one day when some news hit the wire. And I remember the, the tension in the office. And at that point, there were maybe six or seven of us. And that was the day that Google announced the packaged apps. So Chuck, what, what was going through your head when you saw the Google announcement? You know,
2: you never want to step in front of a company like Google. Because again, you know, we, we're using Chromium and, you know, it's moving along at a blistering pace. We're a handful a handful of engineers largely, right, at, at this point. And so, you know, packaged apps, for those of you who aren't aware of what it was, packaged apps was really a precursor to what is modern day PWAs, right? And so it really did look like Google had kind of pointed their, you know, pointed their focus towards, you know, native installed applications delivered by the browser, which, you know, for for us was like absolutely terrifying because they have hundreds of engineers working on this stuff. So it it was definitely challenging, but I think that actually, you know, that that had us take a step back and think about our total value proposition, right? It had us think about like, you know, well, they're not really talking about ecosystem. We're talking about ecosystem. There's a level of polish, there's a level of native user experience that our end users need. Packaged apps isn't really at that level. There still is, there still is this gap between what the consumer technology world is doing and what we're doing. So I think it was it was initially scary, but then you know, when you take the step back, you say, actually, you know we are we are on a ride here this is a secular trend of you know web technology taking over the desktop and we have to just be careful about where we're investing and make sure again that we're not that we're not stepping in front of one of these very fast-moving consumer companies make sure that we know you know that that the gaps that we're trying to fill for our customers and try to you know try to really be in there you know in there filling that gap and as the consumer technology world starts to address things, we actually have to figure out how to incorporate that and bridge that back into our customer base.
1: Before
0: we wrap up our session today, I would like to hear from each of you what your favorite moment has been at OpenFin over the past 10 years and why.
2: You know, Mozzie, I, I really don't think I can pick one, right? Because the I think, you know, early days, the first check that we got, the first payment we got from a global bank into the bank account, that one I think will always be special, right? Because that was like the the first bit of validation we had. But you know, when I think about like my my biggest smiles, right? My biggest smiles are always when it's clear that we've built some community, right? So I would say maybe like the uh, the fourth FinJS or so you know when the room was packed we were growing out of the ace hotel space and you could just see like you could feel the energy you could see the people you you know you knew they were there for the whole community around the platform you know like it just it just filled me with so much energy and excitement so i think that that you know the first bit of money seeing the the community right and therefore the ecosystem behind the community there but then just for an internal one you know at our at our first montauk offsite when we had the whole company sitting outside on the deck at the surf lodge having you know having a meal together after a day of strategy and play and all that having the the company together globally together was just so was so powerful and so so great to see you know we've got that sort of internal ecosystem we've got the external ecosystem and it was just you know yeah, so I so I cheated a lot there with three answers, but
0: yeah, what a ride! Those those were great, Chuck. And in the process, you stole uh, the two that I had been thinking about. <laughs> but I but I liked how I liked how you told it better than how I would have said it. Wenjin, what about you? Do you have a favorite moment of OpenFin in the past ten years?
1: Yeah, sure. I think it's the uh, the raising party of the 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 one before the last one. I think it was in some hotel i forgot the name of it but anyway there's a lot of people showing up there and uh what what, i mean i was either i think i don't think ever that's the first time i've been to a like a a party uh really fundraising and uh really good to see a lot of people showed up there as like you know they like Chuck was saying we have community that you know care about us and also there's one guy who uh, I forgot to name of the company, but some, he, was, he was working for some bond trading platform, that, which obviously was an uh, thing customer. The guy just kept talking to me about, you know, how much he, he liked the the runtime, the run many new features he think we should uh, add to the to the runtime. He he, he was just went on and on and on and for for a while. I was like, wow, you know, this is uh, obviously we made something that people do care about. Is and. Enough. so that's like a really uh, good moment for me.
0: Yeah, that was a great event that we had. That was at Valbella, restaurant in the meatpacking district. That uh, that was post our uh, series B round of fundraising. That we had that event that was you're, you're right when we had we had uh, investors at that event we also had customers and it was just a really terrific group and you know chuck was talking about the energy that you feel from people when they're uh, excited about what you're doing and and, and really rallying r- around the platform and you could definitely feel that from from that event well guys you took you took some of my favorite moments there's one that isn't necessarily about the product but really about the early people and I have these these photos etched in my mind that that we took, and this was right outside of the apartment at the Albert Chuck. Do you remember when you Wenjin, Paul, and I took those photos? And I think we I think we had it professionally shot on the on the street outside on University Avenue, and on the roof of your building, I think. But I think about those photos and the the really. Special time that that was in the very early days when we're starting this brand new thing, full of hope. I, I think of it really, really fondly, and and that that's one of my one of my favorite moments.
2: Yeah, they were definitely professionally shot, and I, I think he even had us jump at one point. I remember, I remember trying to stand in the street as as traffic was coming up University, and the four of us were being told to jump. And I think Paul was hesitant, or like.
1: Wasn't it a little bit cold or something? I don't it know. It was. It was. <laughs> yeah, I remember we have to uh, dress up, and uh, somehow I remember we had to stand in front of this traffic light or something like. Yeah. I, I was like, right. "Are we sure? we're like, we're, we're Are the you Beatles. Sure? Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crossing Abbey Road, getting run over on University Avenue. But yeah, I think Chuck, I think we do have a picture with at least a few of us in the air. I think we caught we we got that moment. Paul at, what was he, six, four, six five, didn't really have to jump to be at the same height as us. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing to think how much we've done in the past 10 years and to think about the ride over those 10 years. But man, in some ways, I feel like we're just getting started. We have so much that we're, that we're working on right now that is coming directly from customers, them mm-hmm. wanting more from us, them looking to us to help enable all the innovation that they're looking to do and i think we've won a lot of trust with those customers over the last several years that's giving us permission to start to deliver some of these other products and services and amazingly some of these some of these products and services we've been talking about for at least 10 years so i am super excited about where we go from here and also i'm just really excited about our team we are now nearly 80 people at OpenFin. The office has grown in London. Due to COVID, we also are now becoming uh, increasingly a remote company with folks in different parts of the world outside of New York City and London. And man, the level of talent at OpenFin right now is just phenomenal. And what we're going to be able to do with that talent over the next few years is, to me, incredibly exciting. And it's a lot of fun because there, you know, there's so many great people who've joined in the last several years and it's a a pleasure to work with all of them and uh, I couldn't be more excited about where we're headed over the the next uh, you know five to ten years or however long it is so with that Chuck and Wenjin thank you guys so much for taking the time out on this very special day and uh, here is to the next 10 years of OpenFin. Happy 10th yeah. Happy 10th. I'd like to thank all of OpenFin's amazing team members, customers, investors, and supporters who've helped us over the past 10 years. John Siracusa is our show's producer. You can also hear John interview fintech founders and the VCs who fund them on the Bank On It podcast. Join us next time as we speak with innovators and thought leaders in finance and technology on the OpenFin MVP podcast.